Light heading at 074. Check your altimeter set. 2946. Corrected set of point elevation. Zero feet. Check your barrel and zero. Check your STS 1230, 3034. Check your fuel. Check your speed up. Lights out. Welcome to the Renegade Aviator Radio Show with David Costa. Wish that I could fly into the sky so very high Just like a dragonfly I'd fly above the trees, over the seas And all the grease to anywhere I please and gentlemen, David Costa, Renegade Aviator. Call me, 888-366-5256. That is your helpline, ladies and gentlemen. This is my gift back to you. This is aviation's gift back to you. We are here as a bunch of aviators, a bunch of people that love to fly airplanes, and that phone number, 888-366-5256, is how you, no matter where you are in this great country, can call in and get your questions answered. So that's going to give you a voicemail. You're going to go to that voicemail, and you're going to leave me a message. You may have a question about how to start flying. You might have a question about where there's an aviation event. You might have a question as an aircraft owner and you want to find the right mechanic to help you out. No matter what it is with aviation, that's our service back to you. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Surely I am serious. This is David Costa, the Renegade Aviator, 888-366-5256, back with you. And why am I sitting in my car at 3 a.m. in the morning recording clips for this show? Well, um, contrary to what you may believe, listening to this fantastic radio show each and every Sunday morning, 199.1, KKFT FM Talk. What I do is different. I manage, I fly, I operate corporate jets. So I fly a Learjet 60, I fly Citation jets, I fly a number of different jet aircraft for my clients. Um, I also manage those jets. I also broker jets, high performance aircraft, jets, warbirds, turboprop, cool stuff, right? Um, I'm the owner and the pilot of the uh, Renegade Aviator Airshow Jet Team with our TS-11 Polish Iskra military jet. And I'm a pilot expert in litigation, litigation, court cases, uh, airplane crashes. I get called in to testify and uh, provide expert services on that. So the radio show a lot of times becomes not an afterthought because, as I said before, the whole reason for this show is to give back. Aviation's been good to me. Aviation has been my passion forever, as long as I can remember. So this is my way to give back. 
Uh, we got flooded with phone calls last week at my phone number, 888-366-5256. If I haven't called you back personally, please be patient. I will. We've had people asking for everything from biplane rides to how to get started in flying to uh, what jet aircraft should I buy. So a lot of different phone calls last week as a result of the radio show. So thank you to each and every one of you. But on this show, we've got a couple of things coming up. I'm talking to a couple of air show pilots this week, and I want to give a shout out to my daughter. This is my youngest. I have two little girls. They're not so little anymore. I'm making the quotation marks. But these girls, both of my daughters are fantastic. My wife as well. She's listening. She sometimes listens to my radio show. Anyway, my my youngest daughter, Katerina, has been instrumental this week. She has been trying to help out dad. Dad, yesterday, when I should have been creating this radio show, yesterday was sitting in uh, oh John Wayne Airport and then over to Scottsdale and then back flying a Learjet 60 all over the western U.S. trying to get some work done. My daughter was back in my office um, helping out, putting some clips together, and she actually put together a couple of uh, bits of information for me to uh, talk about some aviation conspiracy theories. She's She loves to read conspiracy theories and things of that nature, not because she's a conspiracy theorist, far from it, but they are kind of fun to, to listen to. So we got two air show pilots coming up in this show besides myself, and uh, we have some cool stories that I think you're going to want to listen to. So right now is an interview I did with an airshow pilot, Danny Sorensen, of Golden Age Airshows. And he has an aircraft called Unfinished Business. This guy built this airplane from scratch, does some really cool stuff. But more importantly, what Danny talks about, uh, I don't care if you're driving in your car right now and you're going, I'm not in the aviation, I don't want to hear about airplanes. Listen to what Danny speaks about, about pursuing a dream, pursuing a goal, pursuing a passion. That's really what this show is about. Listen to Danny, Danny Sorensen of Golden Age Air Shows. Well, thank you for having me, David. I'm glad to be here. I'm certainly grateful. And, you know, and uh, Danny, you've got, it's it's interesting. I was looking at your website, and I want to let you explain it. We got about three minutes here before the first break. Your airplane unfinished business, when I first saw it, I said, man, it looks just like a Waco. But this is something you've built, designed, um, and fly. So tell us a little bit about Unfinished Business and about your air show. Well, I, I, I conceived Unfinished Business in 1993, way before it was even named, and I, and I designed the airplane. The whole airplane just came out of my head. I had previously built a pit special from a set of plans, so I had construction background. And I just used that and applied that knowledge and designed and built this airplane from scratch. Are you an air? Are you a uh, engineer, or this is just something you did as a passion, as a love, as a? No, I I'm not an engineer. I just uh, recently retired, a uh, 30 year career with Salt Lake City Fire Department, and uh, I but I've had a passion for aviation since I was a little kid. I five years old. I remember asking my father to show me on a little model airplane how to move the controls to make it do aerobatics. So that has been my passion from from as long as I can remember. Having a memory, I've had aviation in my blood. 
Outstanding. You know, and that's that's what, you know, we, we tell kids all the time, right? Find a passion. Never give up. You know, here you, you went your whole life with this burning passion, and now you went from scratch and built an airplane. Um, you know, how, how has this affected your life? How has aviation affected your life, and how are you trying to bring this to the people that are going to see you at the all the air shows you attend? Well, being a part of aviation has introduced me to the most fantastic people in the world, uh, airplane people are honest, they're sincere, they're hardworking, and they have a dedication to to whatever that passion is in aviation. For some, it's warbirds. For some, it's biplanes like I designed. For others, it's like Kirby, who's a race pilot and just one of the most outstanding pilots I've ever seen. And it just brings together these these people with this wonderful love for something and I haven't seen Kirby in eight years, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk up to him, and, and, and it's going to be like the last time I saw him. We're just, if you've got aviation and passion and air show in your blood, you're friends with everybody just on that same, on that same footing. It's just wonderful. You know, it, it really is. And ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Danny Sorensen, and as we come up to our first break, we're going to hold him over. He's with Golden Age Air Shows. For more information, visit GoldenAgeAirShows.com. Again, that's GoldenAgeAirShows.com. United 11? Go ahead. Yeah, you talking to Clarence yet? We're getting it now. Okay. Is your name Clarence? Because then I can say call Clarence, Clarence. Close. I like it. So do I. Roger, roger. Over, over. Back to Richard. You know, Danny, um, Danny has, uh, I guess, he does something really special for a special kid at each event. And, Danny, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do for that special kid that you pick out of the crowd? Well, at each air show I fly, I give away a little handmade model that represents my airplane. It's a 10-inch wingspan. And uh, the concept for that model actually came out of the mind of my then nine-year-old grandson who wanted to build a model like my airplane. So we went down to my hangar, and we made this little model, and I thought, wouldn't it be fun to give one of these away at every air show I fly? So I refined the model a little bit, and I make these up. They take about five hours each to make, and uh, inscribed across, engraved across the upper wing is the statement, just because something is hard doesn't mean I can't do it. And I do that to inspire that youth, whoever they are, to become whoever they want to be and to do whatever they want to do and to not give up on their dreams. And it doesn't matter to me if it's aviation or if they want to be a doctor or a garbage truck driver. I don't care as long as they're inspired to do and be the best that they can be and know that the most valuable things in life take a lot of hard work. Uh, Designing and building my airplane was magnitude more effort than I thought it would be, and I learned more about myself than I did about building airplanes. And uh, but I did it, and it's a, it's an amazing accomplishment. I look back on that thing and can't believe that I did it. Six thousand hours, fourteen years, and uh, and there you go. That's what you get. Questions, comments, suggestions, or recommendations? Call the Renegade Aviator at 888-366-5256 anytime and leave us a message. 
Questions, comments, suggestions, or recommendations? Call the Renegade Aviator at 888-366-5256 anytime and leave us a message. Congratulations, you found the Renegade Aviator Radio Show with me, David Costa. Call my office anytime with your questions, comments, suggestions, cries for help in aviation. 888-366-5256. Obstacles. They're an important part of life in aviation. As in all things in life, we have to avoid obstacles and create an alternate plan to assume that obstacles might just jump out and grab us. So as pilots, we develop strategies to avoid surprises and prepare for them to pop up. We expect surprises despite our best planning. We look to weather hours, sometimes days in advance. We consider alternate airports in case the weather doesn't cooperate despite our best efforts. We prepare to understand how terrain may affect our flight. We have memory items for key emergencies where immediate measured action is required. We use checklists to make sure we're not relying on our limited, often failable memory to make sure that everything required of us as pilots is complete. Expect obstacles and have a backup plan for every flight. Yes, every phase of flight. Business owners, do you see any value in this? Obstacles are a fact of everyday life for a pilot, as they are in almost everything else we do. Pilots are 100% responsible for the safe outcome of their flight. 100% responsible, as you are 100% responsible for your own life and your own business. I know this is challenging for some people to grasp in today's society, but as pilots, we accept the responsibility. So how can this carry over to you in your life in whatever it is that you decide to do? Here's a couple hints. Pre-flight planning. Know and understand everything about everything. Sound daunting? It can be. A pilot is required to conduct a thorough pre-flight plan to include weather, equipment, terrain, airport, even the physical state of the captain and crew. In short, know everything about everything before strapping on that fancy jet. Make alternate decisions. What happens when this happens? What happens when that happens? What do I need to know? What do I need to do now? And what can wait? What is my plan B, C, and D? Finally, follow a system, checklist, flows, cross-checks, and go-no-go decisions. Anyone can benefit from a little planning, creating a plan B, and using a system to detect and avoid obstacles before they ruin your day. Pilots expect them. 
But we all, once we step out of the cockpit, tend to forget, myself included, how these skills can help us in every aspect of our lives. You would be amazed at the success we've had with businesses that I've worked with using these renegade aviator ideas. Call my office, 888-366-5256, and leave a message. David Costa, Renegade Aviator. And we don't appreciate the people that fly us around. We just think they're stupid. You got on a plane and go, well, we're a little bit delayed because of the uh, weather. Oh, they don't know what they're doing. I can see out my little window that it's fine. None of us respects these people. Oh, every pilot is an amazing person. Even that pilot, Sully, who landed the plane on the Hudson River and saved a bunch of lives. And even once he did it, he got no credit. Everybody said, that was a miracle. That's what everybody said in the whole country. That was a sign that God is watching us, that he No, I think it was the pilot, maybe, <laughs> who trained his whole life. And then the day came, and he nails it, and everybody goes, no, it didn't matter. It could have been a child, because God was there, guiding the plane. No, God threw the birds in the engines. For more information, visit GoldenAgeAirShows.com. Again, that's GoldenAgeAirShows.com. And uh, inscribed across, engraved across the upper wing, is the statement, just because something is hard doesn't mean I can't do it. And I do that to inspire that youth, whoever they are, to become whoever they want to be and to do whatever they want to do and to not give up on their dreams. And it doesn't matter to me if it's aviation or if they want to be a doctor or a garbage truck driver. I don't care as long as they're inspired to do and be the best that they can be and know that the most valuable things in life take a lot of hard work. Designing and building my airplane was magnitude more effort than I thought it would be, and I learned more about myself than I did about building airplanes. But I did it, and it's an amazing accomplishment. I look back on that thing and can't believe that I did it. 6,000 hours, 14 years, and there you go. That's what you get. We have new information now also on the plane crash. KTVU has just learned the names of the four pilots who were on board the flight. They are Captain Sum Ting Wong, Wee Tu Lo, Ho Li Fook, and Bang Ding Ao. The NTSB has confirmed these are the names of the pilots on board Flight 214 when it crashed. We are working to determine exactly what roles each of them played during the landing. You can call the Renegade Aviator Radio Show with David Costa. Dial 888-366-5256 or find us on Facebook at Flying for Liberty. You know, Danny, I just can't say enough about the whole mission that you have here with this. You know, everything you're doing, very, very unique. I guess it's unique, but in a way it's not because all of us have been helped by people in the air show or aviation industry. Danny, we got about a minute left here. Any any parting words, anything people uh, people should know about Golden Age Air Shows, your aircraft, or maybe uh, the wisdom as a uh, very experienced tailwheel pilot? Well, I, I would just, first of all, invite everyone to come to the show and enjoy it because aviation is just so unique and so wonderful, and, and I'm so grateful. We love flying these air shows. My wife is coming with me. If you notice on those videos or on those pictures, there's some tiny little oval windows just forward of the cockpit. My wife sits down inside that, under that hatch. <laughs> she is a brave, brave woman. <laughs> she is. <laughs> and I'm so grateful to have her with me on those shows. 
goldenageairshows.com. Danny Sorensen of Golden Age, he's the pilot, he's the inventor, he's the designer, he's the builder, and he's the guy that is, uh, you really motivated me today, Danny. I really want to thank you. I hope so. I hope so. Thanks for having me, David. You can call the Renegade Aviator Radio Show with David Costa. Dial 888-366-5256 or find us on Facebook at Flying for Liberty. Something else we have in common, flying on the airlines and listening to the airlines announcements and trying to pretend to ourselves that the language they're using is really English. Doesn't seem like it to me. Whole thing starts when you get to the gate. First announcement. We would like to begin the boarding process. Extra word, process. Not necessary. Boarding is enough. We'd like to begin the boarding. Simple, tells the story. People add extra words when they want things to sound more important than they really are. Boarding process. Sounds important. It isn't. It's just a bunch of people getting on an airplane. Here he is, the host of the Renegade Aviator Radio Show, David Costa. Welcome back. David Costa, the Renegade Aviator. Call me anytime. It goes straight to a voicemail, so don't worry about bothering me. 888-366-5256. Seriously, someone had a question for me and did not call because they did not want to bother me. That's what this show is about, ladies and gentlemen, helping you in aviation, 888-366-5256. When have you achieved success? Anyone? When have you achieved success? You've achieved success the moment you take action toward a worthy goal. Instant success. Congratulations. Aviation is life. When is your flight successful? We believe that a flight is successful upon a safe landing at the correct destination with an aircraft that hopefully can be used again. Yes, yes, that is success for sure. It's always easy to see success after it already manifests. Few achieve the success they want because they stop taking the action to get them from where they are now to where they want to go. A successful flight begins with that complete and thorough pre-flight and inspection. A successful flight without that is just, well, dumb luck. It happens a lot, but we prefer not to gamble with the safe outcome of a flight, right? Success is a decision. It's not luck. A decision. In order to have a successful flight, the pilot must have invested time, energy, blood, sweat, and tears in the best training and mentoring that the pilot could find. Ah, so success takes actions and decisions. Hmm. Next, in order to have a successful flight, the pilot must arrive at the airport and show up at the airplane. Wow. I need to show up in order to be successful? Wow. You see where I'm going with this, ladies and gentlemen. The takeoff, the climb, the cruise flight, the alternate planning, the handling of problems during flight, the approach, the landing, and a taxi to the gate all must be successful for the successful flight to occur. Success is a series of steps completed by decisions and actions. You are successful when you're taking action. Missing one step, quitting one step, failing to take off or ensure failure because you quit. 
deciding not to take off because it's not the best action will lead the pilot to a future successful flight remaining in action. Success is a state of being and doing, not a destination. Another aviation lesson in life. Success has a flight plan. It has a departure point and a destination. Set a goal that is your destination. Fly toward the destination, making corrections along the way without quitting. Fly the airplane. Pilot your life. Go forward, Captain. Make this a success. David Costa, Renegade Aviator, 888-366-5256. Here he is, the host of the Renegade Aviator Radio Show, David Costa. GoldenAgeAirShows.com. Danny Sorensen of Golden Age, he's the pilot, he's the inventor, he's the designer, he's the builder, and he's the guy that is, uh, you really motivated me today, Danny. I really want to thank you. I hope so. I hope so. Thanks for having me, David. Danny Sorensen, ladies and gentlemen, 14 years and 6,000 hours of work. I'm sorry to report that Danny crashed his airplane, the wonderful airplane that he was speaking about, the wonderful airplane that he made models for kids at every air show that he went to. Danny crashed on June 1st of this year, 2018. Uh, The good news is, especially for those of us that fly experimental aircraft, jet aircraft, jet fighter aircraft, air shows, uh, we lose too many of our pilots. I'm proud to report and happy to report that uh, Danny walked away without a scratch in this case, but his airplane was totaled. Uh, he said he, and, and you, you just heard him on the show, he, he said, and see if this doesn't fit his personality, that he nearly made an uneventful landing, but just before touchdown, clipped the top of a semi and crashed along the side of Route 80. L- let this be a lesson to us all. Number one is that success does not come easy. You have to work. You have to struggle. You have to suffer. And at times you get great joy and at times great pain. But listen to this gentleman. He knows what he's talking about. Now, 14 years of his life, 6,000 hours of his labor, and he crashed the airplane in the end. However, look at the good. Look at the positive that came about all that hard work. Look at the kids that he inspired making those models for uh, for one of those lucky children each and every air show that he did. Let this be an inspiration. Although it has a somewhat unhappy ending, I guarantee you that a winner is always a winner. You're going to see Danny again at air shows. I'm convinced of it. And you and I are going to shake his hand the next time we see him. Danny Sorensen, Unfinished Business. Apropos name, is it not? David Costa, Renegade Aviator. We'll be right back. You can call the Renegade Aviator Radio Show with David Costa. Dial 888-366-5256 or find us on Facebook at Flying for Liberty. About this time, they tell you you'll be landing shortly. That sound to you like we're going to miss the runway? Final approach is not very promising either, is it? Final is not a good word to be using on an airplane. Sometimes the pilot will get on, you'll say, we'll be on the ground in 15 minutes. Well, that's a little vague, isn't it? (laughs) Now we're taxiing in. She says, welcome to O'Hare International Airport. 
Well, how can someone who is just arriving herself possibly welcome me to a place she isn't even at yet? Doesn't this, doesn't this violate some fundamental law of physics? Hey, this is David Costa, the Renegade Aviator. Listen up. If you're a company that wants to get your product, your brand noticed, then you need to be at air shows. Quite frankly, that's where you need to be. You can get such unique opportunities by sponsoring the Renegade Aviator, our radio show, and our air show team, our jet air show team, by being a sponsor of the Renegade Aviator. You're going to reach people more efficiently, more effectively. You're going to drive new business. You're going to cultivate new relationships. And you're going to create alliances and build your brand. Air shows attract large crowds. The radio, sta- the radio show that I'm doing now goes hand in hand with our air show effort to give you and your company unmatched visibility, unmatched and unrivaled brand recognition. We want to help you grow your business. We put together not just an air show team, not just a radio show, but an entire sales and marketing operation to help you promote and grow your business. You need to get some information from me. Give me a call, 888-366-5256. Air shows attract the high-quality, high-caliber demographic that you want to reach. Trust me on this one. Hundreds of thousands of people show up at large air shows. We will be in front of millions of people. If you want millions of contacts, millions of touch points, you found the right place. Call me, Dave Costa, the Renegade Aviator, at 888-366-5256. Let's talk about... Hitting the afterburner with your business. Give me a call. I had to sit on the runway for 40 minutes. That's a story in America. Folks will listen to that story. Folks will stop doing the dishes. Oh my God, how long did you have to sit on the runway? They made us sit on the runway for 40 minutes. Really? What happened after that? Did you fly through the air? Incredibly? Did you partake in the miracle of human flights? Okay, Dave Costa, Renegade Aviator, back with you again, segment three on this beautiful Sunday morning, and welcome back to my radio show. I'm so glad each and every one of you joins me every week. This show's been uh, a great success so far. We have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of improvements to make, and if you're looking or if you have interest in helping me, I need audio people, people who can put together audio clips and files people who can help me get this show put together. I do other things. This is not my primary way of making a living. So um, I can use your expertise. Give me a call, 888-366-5256. And I'm grateful, as I mentioned earlier, I think in the first segment, I'm grateful to my daughter this week. She um, stepped up and tried to help Dad put this show together. She's 14 years old, getting ready to start high school. Anyway, my daughter... um, You know, she said, look, maybe your listeners would like to hear something different besides strictly airplanes. And uh, she found some conspiracy theories out there. Everybody loves conspiracy theories. The research on these were done by my lovely daughter, Katerina. So thank you, Katerina. Dad is uh, happy for the help. And the first one she put together here is on weather modification. And I have to... um, 
I have to confess something. You know, we heard of this thing called chemtrails, right? Well, um, I am a former weather modification pilot, and this is true story, by the way. I have flown uh, many a flight into clouds carrying top secret, that's the joke part, but carrying uh, devices, let's say, that would seed the clouds and would create more rain, or we could actually target snowfall, uh, one of the big things. And I've also done weather modification where we've been able to break up thunderstorms and stop hail, or at least damaging hail. But anyway, there's a lot of people, and uh, let's see, Katerina put this together for me. Susan Mayer, the founder of Bye Bye Blue Sky, put out some information. She's one of these people that talks about chemtrails. So you've seen airplanes fly overhead, right? And they leave out contrails. That's vapor. It's water vapor, ladies and gentlemen. When you see an airplane flying overhead and there's little white puffy stuff coming out of the engines, that is a contrail. But there's a lot of people, more than we'd like to admit, there, there's a lot of people who call those chemtrails. So what's part of this conspiracy theory here? And maybe you're one of the people who believe in this. And if you are, please give me a call, 888-366-5256. I would love to uh, at least set the record straight from my end. Um, anyway, but there's a claim that chemtrails are used by the government to control the weather. Well, that's partially true. There is weather modification companies out there. Um, and like I said, I used to fly weather modification. We would fly into super cold liquid and we could make it rain basically wherever we wanted it to, long story short. But they say that there's this new phenomenon within the past 20 to 30 years that suddenly that there's chemicals being pumped into the atmosphere for nefarious means. There's uh, this woman, Suzanne, uh, she sees evidence of a clandestine globalist conspiracy involving the UN, the military, national governments, the Rothschilds, climate scientists, pilots, pilots, by the way, and big business are involved in chemtrails. Um, however, the claims didn't come out of nowhere. Weather modification, as we talked about it, or attempts have occurred and do occur. The uh, Leningrad Institute of Rainmaking was established way back in 1932, the Leningrad Institute of Rainmaking. Figure that one out. In addition, Chinese authorities used cloud seeding to ensure that the opening ceremony of the 2008 Olympics were not washed out. True story, by the way. A couple of definitions here. Geoengineering, right? The deliberate intervention in the Earth's natural systems to counteract climate change. Change. Uh, geoengineering is a newer field of research, and scientists have talked about it, though there's been little physically done. Most of the research relies on computer modeling. Here's a quote. Professor David Keith of Harvard University is among the most prominent scientists calling for further research. He told the New York Times that he knows of only two instances where one of the most controversial proposals has been tested in the field. It's called solar geoengineering and involves atmospheric aerosol injection of tiny reflective particles to reduce the amount of sunlight reaching the Earth and thus cool the planet because you know humans are way smarter than God and uh, we can we can change anything we want right you believe that anyway but again there you know weather modification is real I, uh, but I am here to say that it is not what you might think of you know what we would call chemtrails but the 
conspiracy theory continues because many believers in the chemtrail conspiracy think that these chemtrails are loaded with unknown chemicals supplied by the government to brainwash the minds of civilians. And others believe the chemicals specifically target the ill and the elderly to weed out the weak. But many reputable scientists, myself included, I'm a scientist part-time, by the way, that um, there's just no there's no credible evidence, ladies and gentlemen, that these chemtrails really exist. If we did see evidence that governments were endangering their own citizens, most people would be eager to stop that. However, one international survey suggested that 17% of you believe that the chemtrail theory is true or partially true. And if I've offended you, I am truly, truly sorry. David Costa, Renegade Aviator, we will be right back. This is the Renegade Aviator with your host, David Costa. Hey, Dave Costa, Renegade Aviator, with you live this week. Uh, we took two weeks off as we flew all over the country and was uh, grateful this time to be able to bring my uh, my youngest daughter with me. So we flew coast to coast, picking up jets, testing jets, flying jets, going through thunderstorms. Uh, you demonstrate your liberty. Well, Dave, I was watching some of the uh, po uh, pictures you were posting on your Facebook page of your first uh, officer uh, sleeping at the window, playing on her iPad, you know, not really paying attention, but Cat, uh, we love you anyway, you know, <laughs> just, uh, just be there for your dad when something happens, okay? It is, you know, and it's a, it's a tough life as an FO with, with me, because I don't let, even a, even a qualified pilot, I don't let the FOs do too much in the airplane, so she was actually perfect, although I was taxiing out, you know, and she's reading my uh, checklist, I'm taxiing out, I was in Fort Lauderdale, I forget where I was but uh she goes um dad are we taxiing i said yeah we are she goes your taxi light's not on so there you go <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, that's a good first officer it is good first officer anyway we have new information now also on the plane crash ktvu has just learned the names of the four pilots who were on board the flight they are captain sum ting wong we too low ho li fook and bang ding ow the NTSB has confirmed these are the names of the pilots on board Flight 214 when it crashed. We are working to determine exactly what roles each of them played during the landing on Saturday. Involved in the Asiana Airlines crash, these names were not accurate despite an NTSB official in Washington confirming them late this morning. We apologize for this error. Tonight we want to take a moment and say that we are sorry. Earlier today, during our noon newscast, we misidentified the pilots in the Ashiana Airlines crash. We made several mistakes when we received this information. First of all, we never read the names out loud, phonetically sounding them out. Then, during our phone call to the NTSB, where the person confirmed the spellings of the names, we never asked that person to give us their position within the agency. 
we heard this person verify the information without questioning who they were and then we rushed the names onto our new newscast. Within the last few minutes, the NTSB issued this statement, quote, the National Transportation Safety Board apologizes for inaccurate and offensive names that were mistakenly confirmed as those of the pilots. A summer intern acted outside the scope of his authority when he erroneously confirmed the... Okay, how was that? Did you like that? Was that a little bit of a humorous uh, interchange for you? Anyway, David Costa, Renegade Aviator, back with you in segment three of our weekly show every Sunday at 9 a.m. Thank you for joining us. We were talking about um, conspiracy theories in the first segment or first half of the segment we talked about chemtrails but here's something um, and I do know a lot about chemtrails because I, like I said I am a uh, a former weather modification pilot don't hold that against me anyway the Denver International Airport raise it show your hands raise your hands if you're driving uh, raise both hands nope don't do that we don't want you running off the road but the Denver International Airport has its own set of conspiracy theories imagine that ladies and gentlemen um, I'm just going to read down Katarina's points here that she put together to begin with people don't understand why DIA was built in the first place as there was a fully functional airport closer to downtown um, and of course, yes, we know that uh, the Denver, the new Denver airport, or what we call the new Denver airport is way out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, the old airport Stapleton that I used to fly in and out of, uh, was subject to some really, uh, hellacious winds. Anyway, um, that is conspiracy theory. Number one, here goes back here. It's huge. This is interesting, by the way. It's about twice the size of Manhattan. I never knew that. And it also went $2 billion over budget. That makes perfect sense whenever the government's involved in something. We expect it to go over budget. And actually, $2 billion in government terms is almost no money at all. Um, interesting. It features, this is cool, it features a plethora of creepy art and strange decor that people do not understand. Well, as a pilot, I'm a pretty black and white guy, so most art I don't understand. Anyway, the most well-known of this art is a 32-foot-tall horse statue named Blue Mustang with glowing red eyes. The statue killed its sculptor. I never knew that. The statue killed his sculpture, Louis Jimenez, because a piece of the sculpture's head fell on him and severed an, order, an artery. Now, that's obviously, we don't want to make jokes about people dying, but it is creepy. Also inside the airport, there are murals of a devil jumping out of a suitcase and a statue of uh, Anubis, an ancient Egyptian god of death. There were also some murals that featured a character that resembled a Nazi officer in a gas mask, children in front of a burning building, and kids gathered around a knife. But these have been removed. So those of you to fly through the Denver airport, um, can you confirm this? Call me, 888-366-5256. There's also a conspiracy that the Blue Mustang, nicknamed Blucifer, represents the last horseman of the apocalypse, which is death. There's also a piece of tile on the ground of the airport that has a picture of a cart inside of it. Written on the cart is AUAG. While these are the elemental abbreviations for silver and gold, some theorists believe that this is referring to a deadly string of hepatitis, the uh, Australia antigen. This disease is considered to be a biological warfare weapon. 
And this is uh, actually Katerina found this from the Independent. So we give them, and Kendall Ray. So we got to give her credit for that. So we're not plagiarizing anything. Uh, another another theory is that it was built by not a Nazi group or a group of the New World Order. Some conspiracy theorists point out the fact that the airport was built by a mysterious group. Here's a quote from again from the Independent. Uh, a dedication marker and plaques around the airport maintain that it was funded by the New World Airport Commission. But a little digging shows that no such group seems to exist, which is why people believe that it's actually the Nazi group, the New World Order. Ooh, spooky. Anyway, that's from the Independent. Um, finally, as if I didn't give you enough information. Oh, there's more stuff. I see her notes go on here. Um, there's also... We believe, or some people believe, I don't believe, but some people believe that this is the Illuminati's headquarters. These are real conspiracy theories, by the way. I would not give you false conspiracy theories. Other theories suggest that since the plaques depict the Masonic square and compass symbol, it must be an Illuminati group. Adding fuel to the fire is the date of the airport's dedication, March 19th, 1994. I was there, by the way, that day. Uh, if you... Uh, Uh-oh. Darn. I just let out. I'm part of the Illuminati. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll continue. If you add these numbers together, 1 plus 9 plus 1 plus 9 plus 9 plus 4, you get 33, the highest level one can achieve in Freemasonry and, and which represents perfection. Well, that's why I was there. Perfection. Ha, I might be a part of the Illuminati. Uh, interesting. Um, some theories uh, say that the $2 billion the airport went over budget went into building the headquarters beneath the airport. Allegedly, when the airport was first built, it somehow screwed up the first five buildings. Instead of removing them, they've been said to be buried. Interesting stuff. Again, from the Independent, just, you know, passing along conspiracy theories to make everybody happy. How about one more, and then I'll finish it up for you. And again, thanks, uh, Katerina, for putting all this stuff together for me. Did you know that there's tunnels under the Denver Airport, Denver International, DIA? The people, not the people, people work in the tunnels underneath the airport, ferrying luggage among the ticket counters, airplanes, and baggage claim. These tunnels are 7,000 feet long and run alongside the airport's underground trains. There was also an automated baggage system, but it never worked. Again, probably because somebody in the government had something to do with it. Anyway, brief. Uh, despite the hefty cost and large amount of space taken up by it, it was never fixed. Uh, there are conspiracies that these tunnels could be emergency bunkers for the elite, FEMA concentration camps for later use, or New World Order bunkers. Hmm. Some other theories about the tunnels are, number one, there will be a mass genocide one day, and those who are allowed to live will go to the tunnels and buried buildings. Good thing I'm a pilot because I can fly to the airport, and then I can live in the tunnels. This is fantastic. Uh, Number two, that there are aliens hidden there. Well, we all know where the aliens are. They're at Area 51, ladies and gentlemen, and... Oh, um, I can't tell you where they're, where else they are. But there might be aliens under DIA hidden from you. Number three, if an apocalyptic event or war that will end the world occurs, the elites of the world will hide there. Now, the world has ended, but the elites will be hiding. 
So who will be, yeah, doesn't make any sense. I get it. Now, this does make perfect sense, uh, considering my old background. I won't get into this. But number four, the tunnels are a CIA base. I know nothing. Um, it's not to my recollection. I can't talk about it. Um, anyway, fake news uh, from a variety of sources. Denver Post, The Independent again, BuzzFeed Blue, and Kendall Ray. So there you have it, some conspiracy theories on a Sunday morning while you listen to David Costa, the Renegade Aviator, on the Renegade Aviator radio show, 888-366-5256. Give me a call. See ya. Questions, comments, suggestions, or recommendations? Call the Renegade Aviator at 888-366-5256 anytime and leave us a message.